Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. How we feeling, Panthers fans? Oh! Sports Radio 927 <laughs> WFNZ from 12 to 3 p.m. You know who it is. Wesson Walker, for the next three hours, we appreciate you joining us on 92.7 FM. We want to hear from you as well. I know the text line has been a banging, a buzzing lit up like a christmas tree you can text to 704-570-9610 the number is 704-570-9610 i've been listening to wfnz programming today i heard mac and bone they were talking about how crazy the text line was i saw a tweet from one chris mcclain himself saying that this was the most annoyed with the panthers fan base that he's been since the text line existed and maybe even since he's been hosting a show on these here airwaves i saw jeff Heard him, Colin as well, talking about the text line. I want to know how the Panthers fans are feeling out there. 704-570-9610. I don't want to waste any time, Wes. Do you want to waste any time? Not at all. Okay, bus driver, let's pull up the scene. Let us off the bus. Fitty, open up the doors. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! For the Carolina Panthers in preseason game number one, they fall to the Jets 27 to nothing. West, they didn't score a single point. And there were a lot of problems on offense. It doesn't matter if it was the first team. It doesn't matter if you had some first teamers and second stringers in there mixed together. Doesn't matter if you were going to the straight up backups. Nobody scored a single point for the Carolina Panthers against the New York Jets. Let's start with a main takeaway from one former offensive lineman, an offensive lineman that Jack says we need to put out there to block for Bryce Young because he didn't like what we saw (laughs) on Saturday against the Jets at 4 p.m. What say you, Mr. Offensive lineman? Lineman main takeaway? Uh, Well, I think that the offensive line definitely did not look the way that Carolina fans wanted them to, and they knew it as well. That's why they had an impromptu meeting after the game. And so for those of you who think that, oh, it's just preseason, it doesn't matter. Well, it definitely mattered to that offensive line. That's why they had a meeting. Everybody on the line did not show their best selves, including Iki Aquano, which worried me just a little bit. But I'm going to give it some time. But if things don't look good on Friday night, I think it might be time to maybe not hit the panic button, but just put your hand on it just nice and soft. You ever played with a cat before and you wave your fingers in front of them and they kind of put their paw on it as they try to follow it and capture it? You ever done that before? I'm a laser pointer guy. I don't want to get scratched. <laughs> well, that's how uh, Well, we had a cat that actually didn't have his front claws. He had been declawed. Gotcha. So it was a lot of fun doing that with him. Well, the Panthers played like they were declawed. Yeah, but Saturday. it's kind of like that. I put a soft <laughs> I put a soft cat paw on the panic button Okay. Uh, if, if Friday night doesn't show improvement. Let's, let's do the old sports radio 1 to 10 panic meter. Where are you at, Wes, after preseason game number one? <laughs> One to ten. Give okay. Me a number. All right. I'll go. I'll go six. But the thing that's worrisome. Above average. Yeah. The, the the thing that's worrisome is that you you start to think about the negative things that we heard this offseason. We talked about the mixed opinions that we've heard about the Panthers. 
but we tried to block out the negative ones, even though we did lend them some credence and we dug into them. But as you start to see negative things happen on the field, those things start to creep back in. Those articles that said, this is not going to be what you think. This isn't that good. They're going to struggle here. You saw the struggles. And so those little thoughts from your subconscious start to bubble back to the surface. Mm, let's hear from Frank Reich <laughs> on Bryce Young. Not to how, mention the damn Saints look good, too. Yeah, the Saints did look a lot better in their preseason <laughs> game. So here you are talking about the offensive line. It did not look good. You mentioned the left tackle, Iki Aquanu, had a rough first series. I mean, started off rough right out of the gate and it didn't get any better especially at that right guard position so immediately everybody was wanting to know how Bryce Young would bounce back from the first hit he took in the preseason and he wasted no time getting smacked immediately upon throwing the football getting put into the dirt well here's Frank Reich talking about how Bryce took that one really big hit pretty damn well you know obviously that first hit was pretty big right I mean that first hit was pretty big I asked him on the sideline after you know Kind of in the second, I waited till the second half. I said, "Well, that was a that was a pretty good welcome to the NFL hit. How'd that one feel?" And uh, you know, he, he said he was fine. He barely he said he barely felt it. So I don't know. Um, pardon? Was that hit a little late? I don't think so. I think it was a good hit. I think it was a good hit. You know, sometimes as a quarterback, you know, you, you got a lot of adrenaline going, and you know that it was a blindside shot, so you're not tensing up. So he bounced right back up from it. You know, a couple of the other sacks, right? I didn't think they were really, you know, kind of crushing blows. So, um, so yeah, but I did think he took one really good hit. I love that Bryce Young went Leonard Fournette. The NFL is not all that different from the SEC. Remember that comment <laughs> yes. they had as soon as he stepped into the National Football League? Bryce went, I didn't even feel it. It wasn't really that he big He said, I hit. barely felt it, oh, right? I love that comment. After all of the despair that everyone has surrounding what they did in game one, Bryce Young said, no, I'm good. I he got said, I barely, I barely felt it. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> the, the soft <laughs> voice. I, it's funny because the soft voice might lend you to think he did feel that kind yeah. of hit because it, it was a good pop. Frank Reich told you, no, nothing late, nothing bad about it. Just a normal NFL hit. Wes, can I tell you my panic meter number okay like a one and a half okay i'm real low to be honest with you okay here's what everyone is saying everyone is discussing anybody that is viewing this from a i'm cool standpoint is telling you it's just one game all it is is one game i'm here to bring that even further to the positive side y'all it's three series it's three series from the ones from bryce young and the offensive line we got to see a little bit of Bryce at the beginning of the second quarter. You didn't see him play a lot in the first because, well, the Jets just held on to the football for a long time. You had some penalties that helped the Jets go back. You had like three first down plays in a row because of penalties, because of what was going on there. A neutral zone infraction from Derek Brown and then the tripping incident on their scoring drive eventually. So it just took a while to see Bryce hit the field. And then once we did, it didn't look good. No doubt about it. But let's just go all across the landscape of what we saw from quarter one to quarter four. All right. The starters didn't look great on offense. But Bryce Young took his first ever snaps in an organized NFL game against Mm -hmm. a defensive line that's got some pretty damn good depth. They do. And that's what everybody is discussing even today, focusing on what the Jets can do. Now, the offensive line has to perform better. I'm not here to absolve them whatsoever. Iki Aquanu in the first series, you can't get bamboozled on a stunt. Right? When we talk about how vanilla Carolina's offense was, 
Everyone is also discussing how the Jets were vanilla. No, I'm not saying it's rocket science to pull off a stunt on the defensive line, but they are running stunts. They are trying to manufacture pressure on the QB immediately, trying to get him off of his rocker a little bit. And you know what? The offensive line wasn't there to handle it. Right guard is a legitimate concern. If you're asking me to individualize the panic meter to right guard outside of Austin Corbett, yeah, it's pretty high. Like Chandler Zavala's not playing. I think that's an important thing, too. Everybody wanted to pencil in Chandler Zavala pre-injury as the next guy up if Austin Corbett was going to be out. But he's also on the PUP list, didn't play snap. And if you feel best about him, that is not somebody that played. So now you're going to Michael Jordan, who, Wes, I'm not sure how he continues to get I don't believe he can fly. Because he's the brand, damn it. I don't know what kind of brand. That's like an Aldi's brand, okay? Not a name brand. That's Aldi's brand Michael Jordan out there. That's what it is. I don't know how he continues to get snaps from different coaching regimes, but they have a problem in the interior on the right side, and so he's getting out there and starting and then immediately allowing pressure to get to Bryce Young. But he wasn't the only one. We saw a couple of different guards over there at the right guard spot. To me, I'm just not worried about it in the first quarter. Matt Corral, guys, Matt Corral hadn't played any. I mean, this is someone that got immediately hurt upon to his upon his first start in the NFL in the preseason, I should say, right? Mm-hmm. Like, guy, he's coming off of a one-year injury where this is a completely different regime where he's trying to get used to everybody that he's throwing to. It's one preseason game. It's three series. You're talking about your third-string quarterback. Oh, we don't like our third-string quarterback. Okay, I'm cool with that. Andy Dalton didn't play. Bryce Young played three series, and here we are saying, oh, Matt Corral didn't look good. Okay. I'm cool with my third-string quarterback not lighting it up. That's fine with me, Wes. I'm not that worried at all. I'm I'm okay on the Matt Corral deal. I mean, I'm not sweating that anyway. You know Dalton's your backup. You're not going to see Matt Corral unless something catastrophic happens. Uh, again, like I said, I just don't like what I saw from the offensive line, especially off of the fact that during the joint practices, they said the offensive line kind of struggled against the Jets as well. And even in some of the practices against their own defense, they said this offensive line struggled, which caused Bryce to throw some interceptions because, as you said, Icky did get beat on the game. And then Icky did get caught lacking off that edge, too. There, was, got, a, there was an under move. No, yeah. Icky didn't have a good performance. Yeah, he, he, he didn't. And so, um, but that's the thing. But that's why I said for me, uh, my eyebrow is raised to the offensive line, and I want to see how it looks. Also, I mean, again, it is preseason. I get it. But Zach Wilson, you know, he was dicing. It was okay. a lot of miscommunications so this, this, out there, but Zach Wilson looked pretty I'm, good. I'm so glad you brought up Zach Wilson, though. Yeah. Y'all, we can clown Zach Wilson in the regular season. That's okay. Yeah. But Zach Wilson taking on... Matt Corral for majority of the game, right? The quarterbacks that took the majority of the snaps, Zach Wilson early. And by the way, in the first series that the ones are running on defense, you allow a 25-yard gain on a screen pass where the running back is just not accounted for. Wide open, Wilson hits him. It's easy 25-yard gain. He threw for 123 total yards. You're telling me on 14 completions, you take that 25-yard gain where the running back was not accounted for, easy throw, easy pitch and catch, that's how you get the big gain. You're talking about 13 receptions for under 100 yards. The defense kept everything in front. I thought Kamu Grujay Hill, Kamu, excuse me, sorry, Brian Burns, Kamu Grujay Hill looked really good in this game. I thought he flashed a couple of times flying to the ball. Dante Jackson, cornerback, being a little bit dicey coming into this season. J.C. Horn, didn't have a lot of action. Dante, in that scoring drive, 
had some nice catch-up speed to McCall Hardman, broke that pass up, and then on the next intended target for Alan Lazard, Dante Jackson was in coverage, and Zach Wilson couldn't fit it anywhere, so he throws it out of bounds. Highest-graded defender for the Carolina Panthers in this game at close to an 85 if you care anything at all about pro football focus. Mm. Deion Jones didn't look good if we wanted to go to a negative, but also, Wes, how much do you think this defense is hurting without their top three pass rushers? Like, top three. We're, we're, we're throwing out there Amari Barno, who had a great double-team beat sack on a former first-round pick in Mekhi Becton, and then the guard gets over too late because Barno, we know about his 40 time. Mm-hmm. I'm Look, I just I can't go in to this preseason. I wanted to see more from offense. I'm not absolving them. It looked bad. But if you're asking me if I should be worried about what they're going to do in week one of the regular season, I can't get there. One and a half, two at the most is my panic meter number based on everything that we saw. Um, Yeah, I mean, the thing is about the first quarter, which you didn't like, I guess, from a defensive standpoint, is just the time of possession. The Jets had the ball for 10 minutes and 10 seconds. They might not have scored the most points. And I get it that Brian Burns and Justin Houston uh, we're not out there. As you said, I, I get it. I just thought that there were some omens in there to watch for going forward. I did put the panic meter at a six, but that's because uh, with this offensive line, you know, we talk about uh, a lot of different things, a lot of different aspects, but preseason coming into this season, this is a line ranked in the middle of the pack. Uh, these are guys in the interior. Uh, who was the PFF guy that we had? Um, George Shahri. George yeah, Shahri. Nobody gets right uh, no yeah, matter he, how many times He talked you try. about the, the low grades that were placed upon the, the interior guys on this line as well and we saw that kind of come to fruition and then you talk about the joint practices they also said the interior of that offensive line struggled uh, as well during during the joint practices and so uh, those are the things that why I say again yes I'm going to say it's preseason but I did put the panic meter at a 6 because I want to see how it looks on Friday night uh, if you come out and have another bad performance again, I don't care what anybody says. It's time to start having a little bit of concern Ooh, ramp it going up. into the season. You start know, start sweating, <laughs> start crying, yelling. It's time to start. It's time to start to wonder uh, uh, about this deal. But I'm going to give them the grace of. Having that meeting, coming into practice this week with a new focus, I did not like what Frank Reich said after the game. Yeah, we'll uh, get into it. Yeah, we'll get into that. But uh, other than that, as I said, I'm going to put it at a six, but we'll see how it goes. All right, Fiddy, who's closer to being right? Six on the panic meter. I'll go with a one and a half to be exact on my panic meter number. Who's more, who's more right? As low as you are, you're still more right because, first off, this game doesn't matter. And... It was the first time this staff knew they were all in the field for the first time. It's it's going to take time. Well, if it doesn't matter, why the O-line have a meeting to okay. get on each other? Well, yeah. All right. Let's get into it. All right. Let's get uh. into it. Next segment. Wes told you he didn't like what Frank Reich had to say after the game. What did he say after the game? It's coming up next. Wes and Walker <laughs> Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah! 
and get to more Panthers content, the text line, justifiably so, brought it to my attention that I immediately need to apologize to Aldi's. I am sorry. It is a great grocery store chain that got me through hard times in college. No, they don't have name brand stuff. That was my only point. But they got me through on a budget. And it doesn't matter if I have to put a quarter into the shopping cart to go shop there. Totally fine. They got me through. The only brand name stuff that I would get in college from there is Capri Sun and Oreos. And everything else was some kind of knockoff. But it still was a very good grocery store. So I appreciate everybody defending Aldi saying it was an insult. Wes, that's how you know it's a bad day. If it's an insult to Aldi's to actually say that Michael Jordan was that brand of a grocery right. store. Because it was only Fiddy saying, hey, he's the brand, right? And I was saying, you know, Aldi's doesn't have name brand stuff. Can we just throw some hype on Lidl before we start talking Carolina Panthers stuff, though? Because it's cheap. There's so much stuff to get. And they have a lot of name brand stuff or not. It doesn't matter what you want. Lidl is legit. Oh, yeah, I can't front. I've, I've been in both of them. I I wasn't that impressed. You're not a fan back. of Lidl? Yeah. You're bougie, aren't you? Like, you're a little grocery store bougie, it <laughs> no, seems like. No, I'm a like. food line guy. I like food line, Harris Teeter. Oh, Flounder just came in here and ripped food line, saying they were below every single grocery store well, that we were talking yeah. about. That's his opinion. All right. I'm a food line guy. <laughs> Carolina, baby. 704-570-9610. Let's read some other texts. The, the ones that weren't defending grocery store chains. 704 said new head coach, new coordinators, new system, rookie QB. Number of starters not playing. Give it time, folks. Formal Tim wrote in, sorry, Walker. If you immediately have to go to the death to defend against poor performance, that's just a kind way of saying our ones sucked against their twos. If they're that deep then we, can look, we can't look that bad, then go ahead and pencil the Jets in for the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, I guess I get the gist of your point. 704, you're all over it, Walker. Thank you, Fly for Wine Guy. It was 3-0 and when the Jets starters were pulled from the game. A couple more texts I'll get to. Uh, 980 said, my issue is that we were so generic. I felt like we were missing out on valuable evaluation and practice snaps. Like Wright looked good on some plays, but can he catch in the red zone? We don't know because we didn't get into the red zone. And so 980 saying right there, my issue is that we were so generic. Frank Reich told us that himself after the game. He said we were pretty vanilla. And let's go to that Frank Reich soundbite right now. Fitty, here's the head coach discussing just how much they did not want to show on offense against the Jets. We're very generic now. We did nothing. You know, in our scheme, nothing. And that's not an excuse. Um, I expected us to do a lot. So we kept it simple so that we could do a lot, so that we didn't have to think much, so that we could just evaluate one-on-one play. And so we, we need to do better there. But as a coaching staff, we really didn't make it. We weren't trying to put the guys in the best position, you know, the whole game with – um, really in, in any phase. So I'm not saying that they were. I don't know what their game plan was. I just know what our philosophy has been, what my philosophy has been in preseason. And when you're a new coaching staff, I just don't want to show too much. Some teams don't know the things we're going to do. And I, there's some of it I'm willing to take a little, I'm, I'm willing to take it on the chin a little bit in preseason to hide some things that we're going to do in the regular season. I think we got our first bad comment from Frank Reich. <laughs> To say that we didn't put the guys in the best position to succeed is the individual part that I have a problem with. Because I have no problem with him being truthful about how vanilla they were. Guys, every coach does it. Every single coach in the NFL isn't allowing you to see exactly what is on their on their play chart. That's not what they're allowing you to see. 
you can go to some of the other better offensive coordinators, offensive minded coaches in the preseason. They're not showing everything in preseason week one, week two or week three. So I have no problem that they were vanilla. The, the the comment is what I have more of a problem with than what actually took place on the field. It's well, don't tell us that you didn't put the guys in the best position to succeed. I guess he's taking ownership for it. So you could argue that positive, that this is someone that is not going to blame the players. He's going to put the onus on himself as to why they didn't perform up to par. But Wes, I have to imagine this was the comment you were discussing in the first segment that you had a problem with, too. Yeah, I didn't like how that sounded. I'm not going to put the guys. When have you ever heard? I've never heard a coach say that. That's in a my weird comment. You're not wrong. Say, I did not put the players in a position to succeed. You have guys trying to make this team. Their football lives are on the line each and every time they step out there. So I guess you're just going by practices and how they do up against uh, the Carolina defense as far as how you're going to evaluate them. Because other than that, I can't fathom how you're going to evaluate them up against other teams if you're not going to put them in a position to succeed. And then my last thing, and you can roll, I said, man, you sure are putting a lot of pressure on what you're going to bring to the regular season. You don't have to run everything that you're going to do, but Jesus. I mean, you you were speaking about this like you have some type of special offense that the league has never seen that's about to be unleashed. Like, we're going to get to the regular season, and it's going to be a lot of stuff that we've seen before. So I'm like, come on, man. Like, what are you going to be showing that is going to get you beat in week one? I think we've seen enough from Frank Reich in the regular season with Colts offenses that I do believe him, that he's not going to be showing a lot of stuff in preseason, yeah, and the offense is going to work. Because we have to remember, who is the best quarterback Frank Reich ever got to work with? It was Andrew Luck in his last season in the NFL. And then he didn't get two seasons with any other starting QB the rest of his tenure as the Colts head coach. If he coaches Bryce Young next season, he'll have beat any quarterback link that he had time with in the Colts, right? Like in the Colts organization. So to me... I think I do trust his offensive system along with what I do think is an all-star coaching staff. Quote, unquote, I don't want to be Vince Young talking about the Eagles dream team here. I do not want to put that on the Panthers. But we do like a lot of what the coaching staff has accomplished in their previous stops with different teams. I, I think, Wes, I don't know if he really meant what he said there. You know, <laughs> we didn't put the guys in the right position to succeed. And he said it with intent, which is the problem, I think, for most fans. Like, uh, can I ask why? Can I, aren't you supposed to be putting guys in Correct. the best position to succeed? I think there are different. You should split that comment up. One, you shouldn't say the last part, in my opinion. Just don't say it. Even if you do mean it, eh, just don't say that to the people. Right. Say that you're vanilla. That's okay, because every coach is. No coach is showing you everything that they have in their arsenal. But maybe we just leave out the whole I didn't put the guys in the best position to succeed and act like it was intentional to do that because that's the weird part about all of it. Do you want to see more of the game plan that you expect to evaluate in the regular season in game? Like how much should they show in game two, Wes? I want to see at least a little bit for the players sake. Like I'm just trying to figure out how you can evaluate guys based off how they fit into your system if you don't run at least a little bit of the system in live competition. Like, you can have a basic set of vanilla plays, and then you can throw in a few others that are what you're going to be doing once the regular season starts. Now, I have not been in an NFL locker room to be able to know uh, how this all works as far as how they game plan preseason, but I'd like to think that you at least will do a little bit 
of what you're doing to be able to evaluate, well, how does this guy fit into the system? Of course you know John Domingo is going to fit. You drafted him in the second round. Of course you know DJ Chark and Adam Thielen and those guys are going to fit. Those are your starters. But as far as some of the reserves go, I just don't know how you can judge. I mean, I get it. He said he wanted to keep it basic and just see how they do doing basic things. But again, just the optics and, and, and just how everything sounded, what he said, just was not a good look for him coming out of this first game. So that's Frank Reich on how vanilla they were. Here's Bryce Young discussing if it's hard to get into a rhythm when the play calling is so generic. Um, I mean, you know, for me, I don't look at that as an excuse. Um, you know, we we're all, you know, they're they're we're all calling plays. We're all trying to execute each play. We're trying to score every drive. Um, so regardless of what the play calls may be or what happened, you know, again, obviously, you know, there's a bigger picture and there's a, you know, the coaches are, you know, they're handling things the way that they want to. You know, they, they obviously it's not just um, random. They have a plan. They, there's there's a reason we do what we do. Um, but for us, we're not, you know, we don't go out there and hear a play call and think, oh, let's not, you know, we, we, we want to go out there and execute. Um, that's not an excuse for us. Um, you know, we, we had good plays being called um, all night, and again, we, we didn't execute. So that's on us. That's on me, um, first and foremost, and us as a unit, as a group. Um, so, you know, again, we got to go watch the tape and, and go learn from it. It's a very, it's a very what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of world we live in when it comes to evaluation in the NFL, NBA, whatever sport you want to roll with. And I get it. But when we discuss how bad Iki Iquanu looked, okay, you are going against a good defensive line. I don't want to give any excuses. But what am I supposed to put more stock into, Wes? His rookie season where he looked like a bright up-and-comer and maybe the best tackle taken of that three-headed monster, Evan Neal, Charles Cross, Iki Kwanu coming out? Should I take into effect what happened in his first season under Matt Rule? Or should I take into consideration what took place in the first three series of a preseason game number one? What should I put more stock into? Because to me, it's pretty damn logical and the right answer to go to what he did his rookie season. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to put more stock into? Taylor Moten in preseason game number one or the, what, six-year career that he's had as one of the better right tackles and higher paid right tackles for a reason in the league? What should I put more stock into? Because to me, I should put more stock into the latter rather than the first handful of series that we've ever seen with Bryce Young calling plays or Bryce Young under center with Frank Wright calling plays. What am I supposed to do? Like Bryce Young didn't even look that bad in my opinion. Right? Like, if we wanted to evaluate solely, th- that's my talk on the offensive line. Right guard, that's a real problem because I know what Michael Jordan's about. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Cade Mays is about with the ones. We we liked him a little bit as a depth piece, but still some problems there. Austin Corbett not going to be ready week one. I don't know when he's going to be ready. Right guard is the thing that I am worried about most as it pertains to the regular season. More than Nicky, more than Taylor Moten. More than the offensive line in its entirety. It's right guard, which can blow up a spot. I'm not trying to say that it can't. But I'm not worried about the bookend tackles that we came into this season feeling really good about. Bryce Young, I also am not looking at this game and trying to apply what's going to happen to him in the regular season. Like, there were a couple throws. I mean, he played scared, backed up against his own goal line. But imagine if he got sacked. Imagine if he had a safety. Think about how bad we, oh, you got to get rid of the football. Well, he did. I mean, he did, and eventually they lived to punt, and that was about it. These are my thoughts on the offensive line and what I saw from Bryce Young. Well, how I try to go about it, again, is like I said, you know, 
I try to dig into a little bit of the analytics. Not saying PFF is the end-all, be-all, but I'm looking at an interior with Brady Christensen with a 57 grade last year, Bozeman with a 63, K. Mays with a 62, uh, also Taylor Moten. They said that he had the worst season of his career, the 69, and Ikea Kwanu had a 65. So, you know, I start there in my mind. I start that this is a, a unit looked at as middle of the pack in terms of the totality of the NFL. So I'm starting with that already in my mind. And then when I come out and look at the the, the play Saturday, of course I'm going to try to try my best to look at it and say, okay, it's preseason. There's time to get better. But it was just like some of the things that I saw, it fits in with the narrative, with the grades, with the perception of this line coming into this season. And so that's why I just continue to say I want to see how this looks as we go forward. Because, yeah, this line did play good football towards the end of the season with a very conservative offense, and they were able to get some things done. But I want to see, as I said, as time continues, how does this line look? Because, again, too, I mean, Brady Christensen was not very good at that left guard spot as well. Then, as I've said since this show started, I go off the fact that in the joint uh, practices that – this line was said to have had issues on the interior blocking the Jets up front. Now, granted, this is a really good Jets defense. This is not some slouch defense, and maybe this is the barometer, the wake-up call for this O-line to say, okay, this was a pretty good front that we played against, and we've got some work to do. Because that's the thing that coaches do, and I guess this is where a little bit of my experience can come into it. When you have an outing like they had, your practice week is going to be hell. Okay, it's going to be real bad. It's going to be real physical. It's not going to be a lot of fun. You're going to do a lot of physical drills all week long. And so that can manifest itself in the play the next time you take the field. So that's going to be interesting as well, because I know this offensive line is going to have a heck of a week coming up. Now, how do they respond Friday night? Do they come out even if they play two series, three series, whatever the case may be, do they dominate? on Friday night. That's what I want to see because, again, this practice week is going to be one for the ages for them as they try to whip them into shape as week one approaches. Yeah, and, and you're look, Taylor Moten did have the worst grade, according to Pro Football Focus, still at a 69 right at a 70, which isn't awful. And by the way, 82.4 pass blocking grade last season. It was the run blocking that brought that grade down so much. So if you're looking at that, plus Icky is going into his second year. I, it was a bad first series for Icky. Like, I'd I don't want to get it twisted. It wasn't good. I'm not looking at Icky with that performance yesterday or on Saturday saying, okay, yeah, I'm cool with that. No, I'm very much not cool with it. I just don't think that's going to happen in the regular season for a guy as talented as he is and with what he showed us last season. Right guard is a problem. What I'm interested to here, Wes, because you're right about Brady Christensen. I think most people, if you ask them when they watch Carolina offensive line play, hey, who do you think is the weakest starter up front? I think most people would go with Brady Christensen. That's why everybody discussed with Chandler Savala being drafted. Maybe he is someone that reunites with Icky on the left side. And then Brady becomes this swing man, this depth piece that you have up front, which I think he's a very good depth piece on the offensive line. What I wonder too is with Savala being physically unable to perform on the pup list, came back after a couple of weeks into training camp and doesn't have a lot of snaps right now came in on the depth chart as the third string guard at this moment in time. Wes, I think a lot of that has to do with injury. I think a lot of it does. And we didn't see him out there because he's not ready to go, and the right guard spot didn't look good. What I wonder is, 
could you put Christensen on the right side, or do you just separate Icky and Savala from their college days and just say, hey, I know it's how it was at NC State. It ain't how it is here in Carolina. So go over there and play next to Taylor Moten. I think Savala and his health are going to be very interesting to monitor as we move on because was there any right guard that came in and won that job? I mean, it's wide open right now, and you have somebody that you drafted everybody felt good about who can't play. Yeah. Zavala is the one to me, and if he if he gets put into the lineup, if he's ready to go and he gets put into a preseason lineup and plays well, it's not like he's got an insurmountable mountain to climb to win that starting job, and that's what I'm going to be interested in. And then when Corbett comes back, I hope that he gets adjusted real quickly. The rust is at a minimum, but you have to kind of bake that into the cake. But Corbett, we feel good. That guy was a really good offensive lineman last year. I- I'm still holding out hope for Savala if he's healthy to get in the mix. We love them at NC State. And then hopefully they can be comfortable enough with one another that you just got to hold it down until Corbett comes back. That's definitely what you hope for uh, at this point, and you hope the other guys can improve. But as far as Chandler Zavala goes, yeah, because he's just getting acclimated back to practices we saw last week. And as the rest of this, and I know it's not training camp in the sense that they're still at Wofford, but just in the sense of uh, him acclimating himself, there will be more padded practices, more evaluation for him. Can he emerge and take one of those spots. That's what you want to see, uh, ideally. So if he can come in there and do that and provide some help, that would go a, a long way. Um, I did want to read one text real quickly on Brady Christensen. 980 said, hey, Christensen had the best grade of the starters on Saturday. He wasn't the issue, which he's right about that. Mm, I, I think, watched some of that tape. Well, overall, I mean, Icky, Icky was bad. Icky was just flat yeah. out bad. In the run blocking game, I know he graded high, but pass blocking, which is what we care about when your first overall pick is out there throwing the football, I want Icky to be better blocking. I mm-hmm. want Taylor Moten to be better blocking. I want any of the right guards to be better. If you were to rank the guys you were most surprised about in a negative way or didn't like, yeah, I mean, I'm with you on Christensen maybe not having the greatest game in the world. But you know how it is, too, as an offensive lineman. I mean, if one guy isn't playing well, then that affects a lot. That's why they talk about continuity being so important. No question. And so, look. Yes, Christensen probably the weakest overall when you want to go back to what you saw last year, but nobody was great. Nobody was great on Saturday against the Jets. Let's go to our first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Wow. All right, guys, the preseason AP poll is out, and your top five teams are no surprise. Georgia 1, Michigan 2, The Ohio State 3, Alabama a low number 4 with LSU rounding out the top five. Florida State comes in at 8. Clemson checks in at number 9 with the Tar Heels uh, being preseason ranked number 21. Meanwhile, South Carolina did not find themselves on the preseason top 25 list. That means the Dukes Mayoff kickoff classic right here at Bank of America Stadium will not be a matchup of two preseason top 25 Mm. teams. Yeah, I think we talked about this the other day. It would have a little more luster if South Carolina was ranked top. It it feels different to say a preseason top 25 matchup to kick off the season. But even still, South Carolina, we know what it is. That's a team that finished real strong last year. Spencer Rattler came back. 
Spencer Rattler was someone that finished the year strong, so I, it doesn't take a lot of luster out of the game for me. I just wonder nationally if if it's going to do that because it's not, quote-unquote, a preseason top 25 matchup. Yeah, it's so interesting, though, to see Florida State and Clemson, especially Clemson, starting the season as low as they have uh, in quite some time. So here we go, folks. AP poll is out. Let's get it cracked. All right, let's talk more college football, shall we? Campus Corner coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on that text line. The text line has been off the chain today, 704-570-9610. Hit the social medias. Hit that follow button. We're getting closer to 1,000 followers on our Weston Walker page on Twitter, so keep it coming. Also, we've got the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram page. Hit up at Walker Mail at at HTB underscore Josh and at Wes Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram. And now it's time to go to the campus. Kona. All right. Jim Harbaugh and the NCAA, an agreement between the two has broken down concerning penalties stemming from what the NCAA deemed to be false statements Harbaugh made to investigators. Harbaugh and the NCAA had come to a tentative resolution that would see the coach serve a four-game suspension to begin the 2023 season. Also, assistants were sanctioned as well. The deal still needed approval from the NCAA's Committee on Infractions. Instead, the case will move further through the NCAA disciplinary system. Almost into 2024, uh, they will handle that. And he is now expected to coach every game of the season. And the case is centered on alleged level two NCAA violations by Harbaugh and his staff that included meeting with recruits during a so-called dead period, watching workouts on Zoom, and having too many analysts participate in on-field practice coaching. Each of those is considered a minor to moderate violation. It would normally result and limited penalties. Also, during the investigation, the NCAA alleges that Harbaugh was not forthcoming with investigators and therefore slapped a level one violation onto the case, which calls for far stiffer penalties, including suspensions. So, Walker, man, what say you? Because uh, I think that this is just another crazy case with the NCAA where it doesn't seem like they quite know what they want to do here and also just for a 
uh, a dying entity as far as their involvement with these teams. And looks like they're just trying to figure something else out that nobody else really uh, agrees with or really cares about. Right? Well, yeah, I mean, as far as the Tez Walker situation is concerned, I hope his thing gets overlifted as well. Or uh, uplifted, I should say, yes. right? That he's allowed to go ahead and play football this season because if we're allowing Jim Harbaugh to do it over rules that don't necessarily make sense with Tez Walker coming out here and abiding by the rules the first time and then you change it and now it's somebody that that now that he is the guy that is affected i just hope that tez gets to play football for north carolina this season yeah no doubt about it fitty do you have a say on uh, what's going on with jim harbaugh and what's going on up at michigan i mean they just know that harbaugh is going to lead a team back to the, the playoff and they want and like he's he, this is a sport that needs it needs characters he's a character you don't want you don't want him missing the first month of the year so uh, I mean, to me, it was no harm, no foul. All right, and so expansion uh, that happened with the ACC, or it is not happening because four schools are opposed to adding Cal and Stanford. A source confirmed to ESPN, uh, there's no call currently scheduled for the presidents to talk about expansion again. Discussions continue in hopes that they can get the 12 yes votes that they need to add said teams, but Florida State, North Carolina, Clemson, and NC State are opposed a source said confirming news for first reported by Sports Illustrated. Uh, what do you think about that? It's really no surprise to me. Uh, I think they don't want anybody else coming in and getting a cut uh, of the pie with revenue that they've already been annoyed that they are not getting enough of anyway. So Yeah, I mean, look at the college football programs that are opposing this. They are the ones that we have really the highest expectations for the last few years with north carolina understandably we know that north carolina fans are frustrated with mac brown getting all the talent that they have and then maybe underperforming especially what we got the last month of the regular season last year but we know north carolina is still one of the top performing acc football schools they have the quarterback in drake may that is probably going to go second overall after caleb williams they got to an acc championship game last year florida state they have a rich history, even if it hasn't been uh, something that they've experienced year in and year out since their championship. And even what, 2016 was probably their last good year. Now, after at least I should say before last season, now you have high expectations for them. Clemson, one of the better football programs in the entire country. All to say, these are the better ACC programs that say, no, we don't want to split the pie because we want more money for ourselves. And then if you add a school like Cal and Stanford that is more academic-based to uplift what this conference has thought about outside of football, which it's not. It's not It's not going to make this conference any stronger football-wise if you go out and get Stanford and Cal. I would understand why those teams would oppose this. All right, and fresh off the presses, FSU most likely won't leave the ACC ahead of Tuesday deadline. Amid rumors, according to the Athletics' Nicole Auerbach, an ACC school would have to give notice that it was leaving that conference by August 15th if it wanted to compete elsewhere next year. Sources told Auerbach the most likely outcome is that Tuesday arrives and the Seminoles do nothing. Rumors of Florida State exploring the possibility of leaving the ACC began earlier this month when University President Rick McCullough was speaking during a meeting of the Seminoles' Board of Trustees on August 2nd and said, quote, I believe that FSU will have to, at some point, consider very seriously leaving the ACC unless there were a radical change to the revenue distribution. So it looks like Florida State did a whole lot of woofing and they're not going anywhere. And so, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm good with that. I want Florida State to stay. And I felt like with the um, 
grant of rights and all that, that the ACC is going to pretty much remain intact for quite some time. Too many things would have to happen for Florida State to break from this grant of rights deal. If they wanted to raise money via a private equity firm, then if they did have enough money to raise then, well, the ACC could still say, uh, yeah, we got this grant of rights deal. We don't have to take this deal. So you're still going to be a part of this conference until 2036, and then we can start to negotiate what happens after that, and Florida State can leave then. But you're talking about a long way out. Yeah, Florida State, this was always going to be them creating chaos. And I, I think Joe Obvious has talked about this quite a bit. Usually when you see a realignment or a team leave the conference, Baltimore Colts style, packing up in the middle of the night, that's mm-hmm. how it happens. It's all very quiet. Well, Florida State is out here causing as much chaos as they possibly can because they want all of the attention and they want to breed fear into any decision maker within the ACC. But everybody's calling their bluff. And here we are at the deadline and no one expects them to actually move despite them talking so much. Yeah, this is always the scenario I saw happening, even as outspoken as they were. So basically, it's time to treat FSU like a good parent and tell them to sit their behinds down. Mm-hmm. And, and and when we return on the Western Walker Show, Team Week continues. The NC State Wolfpack are the topic of discussion. That and more on the Western Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.